Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Amen. Once again, I just want to take a moment and just wish all the moms happy Mother's Day. We really do appreciate you. We love you. We appreciate you. And if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> Amen. You know what? Today is a great day. Not just because it's Mother's Day, but today I get to introduce a preacher that is by far a Holy Ghost on fire preacher. Amen. So you better hang on to your seat. She is going to light this place up. Amen. And you know what? We had a great time in the 830 service and a great word from the Lord. So let's give a great big hand to my wife, Kathy Poole, as she comes and ministers this Mother's Day. Now, hang on just one second. Let me, let me tell you what's going to happen. I, I, I forgot. I told the first services. Whenever I preach, I always tell stories about her being pregnant, right? And about how she is just the bomb. She, I'm telling you, she, she was in labor playing saxophone on stage. That's, that's pretty good. How many know what I'm talking about? Well, now you get to hear the rest of the story. <laughs> All right. I have my microphone on, ready to go. I wish that was me, pregnant. I have no cute pictures of me pregnant. It's not even... If I have any pictures of me pregnant, they are burnt. (laughs) No, not doing that. I just want to take a a minute real quick and acknowledge my mom and how much I love her so much. And um, the older I get, the more I realize that there are friends that I grew up with, that are friends that I go to high school with, went to high school with, that their parents are no longer here, their moms are no longer here. And so every year that goes by, I'm just so grateful that my mom is in good health and um, still... Still there by my side, backing, backing me up, doing everything I ask her to do. And just, I just love her so much, you know. And I want to wish her a happy Mother's Day. And my sister Mary, happy Mother's Day. And my daughter-in-laws, where are you? Where are my do- where's my girls? There they are. Yay. My two daughter-in-laws, they're so, so awesome. And, um, but I also want to acknowledge those of you that um, maybe today is a little painful for you. Maybe uh, your mom passed, or maybe, you know, you're struggling with, with today. And I just want to lift you up right now, and I want to honor you. You know, that doesn't go unseen. Uh, there were years, you know, when, when we first decided to have a baby um, 30 years ago. Oh, God. <laughs> I was really young. <laughs> When we first decided to have a baby, it was because my older sister said, um, hey, let's have a baby. Or no, no, my older sister said, we're going to have a baby and we're going to start trying. And so that I went home and I looked at John and I says, uh, we need to keep up. <laughs> so we've been married. We had been married at two and a half, about two and a half years at that point in time. And so, so, I, so we went and, and started trying together. My older sister and I started trying to have babies together. Um, 14 years down the road, and I have three wonderful children, and all she had was a tubal pregnancy and a miscarriage and 15 years of heartbreak. So I know. I know what you're going through. I have my, my best friend, Rosemary, who went through at that same time, was going through adoption after adoption, following through for her, which is the same emotional turmoil as a miscarriage. 
And now luckily God is a good God and God brought them both beautiful daughters. And today we can stand back and say, wow, that was a difficult time. But I don't want to gloss over that this morning. We're so thankful, and those of us that are mothers, you know, and, and our life is okay. You know, we just want to acknowledge you as well. And so what I want to do right now is I just want to pray over you. Lord God, I just pray grace and mercy over your lives, over their lives, Lord God. I just pray, Lord God, an extra amount of peace. We just lift those ladies up to you, Lord God, and you see the need. You see, God, what's going on. And Lord God, I just pray, God, for an extra, extra helping of your mercy. I declare mercy, mercy, mercy over their lives right now, Lord God. And let them feel your love right now, God, and how much you just love them and adore them. And I just give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, gosh, our worship has been great, huh? Our worship has been awesome. Since uh, John's been preaching on worship, you guys have stepped it up, and you guys have taken the challenge, and you guys are just entering in, and it's awesome. It's just amazing. And what I'm going to talk to you about today is I'm going to talk about expectancy, because when we come in for worship, you know, a lot of times what it happens, the reason why our worship is getting better is because you're expecting more. You're expecting to encounter the presence of God. You're expecting God to just join with us and Holy Spirit just to move through this place, you know. And so that's what I'm, um, that's kind of what I want to talk about today is what does expectancy mean? What does it mean to expect? You know, we, we, we throw that word out there all the time. Well, you need to expect, you need to expect God to move. What does that mean? I don't know what that means sometimes. We, can we put... Can we put a word to that or can we put a phrase to that? What does that mean, expectancy? So let's, um, I wanted to explore that a little bit and I want to start with the word. What does the word expect mean in the dictionary? So um, first of all, it means, expect means to regard something as likely to happen. So when we come in and we expect God to move, is it likely to happen? If you expect it, yes. it is, yes, definitely. To regard someone as likely to do or to be something. And to believe that someone or something will arrive. And so when we have this expectancy, you know, and, and a lot of times we get in this arena and we're in church on a Sunday morning. And it's like, yes, God's going to move. And it's really easy to believe God for what he's doing in our situation when the Holy Spirit is moving and we're feeling the presence of God and we have all of our church family around us and everything. But what happens when we go home? And what happens when life starts kicking us? And what happens when the questions, the devil starts putting questions into our hearts? And it's like, oh, will God move for me? Does God love me? Am I, you know, and all these lies, he starts whispering all these lies to you. And it's really hard. And it just goes to show us where our expectancy level truly is. But what, do you want, what, I, what we want to talk about today is we want to understand the fact that God has planted promises. I want to use the correlation of pregnancy just because it is Mother's Day. But even if you're a guy in here, don't worry. You can be spiritually pregnant. Because God can plant, God has planted promises. What are you laughing at? God has planted spiritual promises into our spirits, into our souls. God has planted promises into our hearts. And it's through that nurturing 
of that promise that they come to pass. You see, God's a big God, and God can do whatever he wants, right? But he has chosen to partner with us. He has chosen to partner with us in helping us to believe him for his promises in our lives. You know what I mean? He has chosen to plant something in our hearts. Well, like he'll plant a dream in our hearts. And, you know, it's up to us to nurture that dream. It's up to us to push that dream through and to pray it through and to keep praying that dream through until it reaches fruition, until we get breakthrough. I remember a testimony that I heard on the radio, and they started off by saying, Mama finally got saved. And then they told this story about this family who had been interceding for the salvation of their mother for 50 years. 90 years old, she finally gets saved. She finally accepts Jesus into her heart. Later on, of course, a few years later, she goes and and goes home to be with the Lord. But they nurtured that promise, because there's a promise in the Bible that says you and your family will be saved. And so they nurtured that promise for years, for 50 years. They nurtured this promise that my mom's going to be saved. No, my mom's not going to step into eternity without knowing God. And that took 50 years, but it, it worked. That happened. Amen. And so we need to understand that, yeah, I wish it lasted nine months. <laughs> if, we had a, if we had a distinct time frame, okay, God, well, I know that this is going to be over, that I know that I'm going to have my promise here. But then it wouldn't be faith, would it? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be faith. And sometimes the God keeps that mystery in there to help build our faith and, and breed faith inside of us. The word that the Father wants to speak to us this morning is he wants us to raise our expectancy in regard to relationship with him. He wants us to raise our expectancy level. He wants us to understand that he wants to move in our lives. He wants to answer our prayers. He wants to heal our bodies. He wants to save our families. He wants to meet our needs. He wants us to have a deeper relationship with him. So we need to raise that expectancy level. And so today I want to compare our lives, our spiritual lives, like I said, to that of an expected mother and what to expect when you're expecting. What does that mean? As I said before, the Father has planted seeds into your heart. A lot of times he'll plant these seeds of promise into our spirits. Um, this may happen through a word spoken to us by a, a godly man or woman. This may happen to us through a sermon. This may happen to us by reading the word of God. This may happen to us by him just speaking something to us. He spoke to me about our kids program many, many, many years when I was the only one working it. And he spoke to me about that. And I just nourished that word. And I kept every time, every time someone would quit, it's like, okay, God, I know what you promised me. And we'd keep going, you know. And so he is, whichever way he has spoken these words to you, it's up to us to nourish that word. You see, I remember being pregnant, even though it's been 20 years since I had been pregnant. But I remember that time, there was a time that 
It's like, uh, I'm not really sure. Am I pregnant? And am I not pregnant? I, mean, I kind of feel different, but is this, you know, especially your first baby, is this what pregnancy feels like? You know, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. So until you got it confirmed, you're kind of in this state. But once it's confirmed, the doctor says yes, the pregnancy test says yes, another pregnancy test says yes, you know. And once it's confirmed, then it's like, okay, here we go. We can expect this. Well, once God confirms something in your heart, sometimes he'll bring a promise, he'll plant a promise, and we'll say, is God, is that really you planting that promise, or is that just my wishful thinking? Sometimes he'll plant a promise in your heart and in your spirit. And, but once it's confirmed, he'll, he could confirm it through a word, through a, a, a scripture, through a message. You know, at the beginning of the year, I had something that I, you know, was uh, wondering about, and every message that I heard online mentioned something about what I was going through, confirming that word, you know. I even had some fortune cookies, which I would not suggest that. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Panda, and I got, I got some food, and then they ended up with two fortune cookies. And guess what? Both those fortune cookies said the same thing, <laughs> confirming this word. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going with that, no. I take, then God was speaking it to my heart. But everywhere I turned, I was looking and I was seeing. It's like, oh, okay, all right. I guess this is confirmation. When God confirms that dream or promise inside you, there should be no doubt that he is going to fulfill it. You know, there's not a day, once you confirm that pregnancy, there's not a day in your mind that, there's not a day that goes by that you're not thinking about that baby inside you. And it should be that same way with the promises that God has put into your hearts. We should be focusing our effort daily in thanksgiving and in prayer and agreement with our Father that this promise is going to come to pass. We need to just nurture it. We need to thank Him for it. We need to say, okay, God, this promise is definitely going to come to pass. He wants so much more for us. He wants us to be healed. He wants our family to be saved. He wants to supply our needs. Not, he doesn't want to do this out of, a, out of a sugar daddy mentality, but through a heart-to-heart relationship with him. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to do it because we're, say, we're being this you know, rebellious teenager type figure and saying, God, you said. And he goes, no, no, no. He wants to do it out of relationship. Yes. He wants to do it out of relationship to him. So let's look at our text. You know, I really love the word of God. Acts chapter 12. We're going to look at our first scripture. And I really love the word of God because every time I read stories out of the Bible, even though, you know, I was raised in church and, and this particular story, I remember, I remember sitting in the classroom in, um, in Sunday school classroom up in Truxton. I don't know how old I was. I was, you know, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years old. And I remember this story and the little color sheet, you know, that used to come with the flannel graph curriculum. You know, you have the flannel graph and <laughs> does anybody remember flannel graph anymore? There we go. And the little color sheets that used to come with it. But what I love about the Word of God is I love the fact that the Word of God always is fresh and it's alive and it's new and it doesn't matter what the story was. When the next time you read it, you're going to get something new out of it. And so God highlighted this story to me around Easter Sunday and um, gave me this message. Actually, it was Easter Sunday. I don't know, have any idea what John preached on that, night, that day because this was going through my mind. And so, um, but we're going to start off in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5 to begin with. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. Let's stop right there. Because up to this point in time, um, after the conversion of Saul, 
which we know as the Apostle Paul. There were several years of peace in between that conversion of Saul, because what did Saul do? He persecuted the church, right? So in between that time of the conversion of Saul, it, the Bible actually says that they were in peace. And so as it, this is the first time in like two or three chapters in the book of Acts that, God, uh, that they mention persecution again. And here comes King Herod Agrippa, which is not the same Herod that um, was around in Jesus' time. Okay, this is a different, it's relative, but a different one. And so he gets a wild hair and decides to persecute the church, okay? He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish leaders, he arrested Peter during the Passover celebration and imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Now, if you look into a couple of scriptures, a couple of chapters back in the book of Acts, you will find that the apostles were thrown in jail and overnight an angel came and let them all out. And so, there, so that was the whole ball of them. Well, now it's just Peter. And so um, they were going to make sure that he was going to stay. So he appointed 16 guards, Roman soldiers that knew their job, not falling asleep on the job, by, I want you to know. Because I always thought, well, they fell asleep on the job. No, these were Roman soldiers. And it was their life on the line if they fell asleep on the job. So he... he um, he placed him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. So 16 soldiers to watch one guy. Herod's intention was to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover because he wanted to do it after the Passover because he didn't want to make, because why was he doing it? He was doing it because the religious leaders were pleased. And so he didn't want to mess with their holiday. So he was going to wait till after their holiday. Um, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. And I want to stop right there. Because one of the things that we can expect when God is moving in our lives, one of the things we need to expect is we need to expect that we're not alone. And we need to expect that we have prayer support. You know, here's Peter being hauled off to prison. He knows that James is gone. James is up in heaven with Jesus now. And so... He's like, you know, so he's dealing with this on his own, but the church starts to pray for him. You know, you don't know who's praying for you. Sometimes, and you might know who's praying for you, but there are people praying for you. You need to keep that in mind. And when you're going through struggles and when you're going through trials and tribulations, there's people praying for you. There's people interceding for you. And if you don't know if anybody's interceding for you or not, we have a little prayer box back there in the foyer on the information. It's a little brown box. There's little cards next to it. Put your need down, put it in that box. My, my dad goes and he makes copies of those at the end of every second service. He passes them around to our prayer team and to our staff, and we pray over those every week. Uh, we also have a ministry team that comes up here, and we don't do that just to look good. Ah. Ooh, new shoes. We don't do that just to look good. We do that to minister to the needs of the body. We do that to minister to the needs of our family. And so if you feel like you're alone and you need prayer support, come on up. I will vouch for every person that's up here that they are an intercessor and that they touch heaven and that they don't take your needs lightly. Amen. They take it very seriously and they bring your needs before our Father. And so you can guarantee and you can expect not to have to go through this alone. Whatever you're going through, Amen. you are not alone. And we are here. Your church family is here to pray for you. And all you have to do is ask us.
<clears throat> See, but the problem is, is when things don't come our way in the timing that, or in the way that they, we think that they should, then we start to doubt. And we start to ask questions. And those questions can get us into a lot of trouble. Too many times we see a delayed answer as a denied answer, and we begin to question God's love for us. Does God really love me? Well, I know that it's his will to heal me, but you know, maybe it's his will to heal, but maybe just not me. And maybe it's his will to provide, but maybe just not me. Maybe, well, you know, am I too sinful? Am I just, you know, it goes through your brain. You think about those things, right? And so, but the problem is, is that we use those questions and those circumstances to define our relationship with the Father. We cannot, 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 is this thing on? Define our circumstances. That's not right. We cannot allow our circumstances to define our relationship with the Father. We cannot. We need to allow our nature, His nature, to define our relationship. Allow His nature. He's a good Father. He's a good father. How much, you know, you being a good father knows how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does our father in heaven know how to give us good gifts? But the problem is, is when we come into this time of questions and then life starts kicking us around, instead of running to the relationship with the father, we run away from him. We shut our Bibles. We shut our mouths. We stop worshiping. We stop praying. And all we do is say, well, God don't want to answer my prayers. Come on. Don't like it is. And so, and by, and even though it might not ever come out of our mouth, he hears it from our heart. You know, why? Because we're not praying, because we're not reading the Bible, because we're not worshiping, because we shut that off, because it's too painful to think that God won't answer my prayer. Go ask him. Say, God, why are you not answering my prayers? Go ask him. Ask him. You know, if my kids were to come to me after I said no to them, if they come to, were to come to me and say, Mom, why'd you say no? I'll sit down. I'll tell them the situation. And maybe they won't be able to explain, you know, as children, be able to fully comprehend. But it's like, you know what? This is what's going on here, you know? You can't go out running in the street because you're going to get hit by a car. <laughs> you know? It just is simple, something as simple as that. And instead of shutting God off, we need to lean into that relationship even more and allowing, you know, the, the waiting time, during that waiting time, knowing that he is still working in our lives. It's during the waiting time that we start to get discouraged and wonder if this promise or dream is even from God and if it's ever going to come to pass. You know, that family that was believing for their mom's salvation, 50 years, holy mackerel, you know, but it came to pass. God gave them a promise. I have a friend of mine that um, she's going through something right now. God spoke a promise into her heart. And every situation, the whole entire situation points to the fact that, that it's not God. Yet he spoke that promise to her and her faith is resilient. And she said, nope, God said it. That's it. Even her husband goes, what are you believing God for? Why are you even, why are you still on this? It's not going to happen. And she said, go away. God spoke it to my heart. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. 
And we need to get that into our spirit. We need to allow that promise to nurture. To, we need to nurture that promise, allow that promise to grow within, within us. Just like a woman when she's pregnant and she nurtures that baby and she eats healthy food and she makes sure that she gets rest and everything and takes care of that child within her. Just like that, God wants us to nurture the promises that he has inside of us. Yes. But then we have to wait. And it's uh, one of the most difficult times of pregnancy is right before we deliver. Right before we deliver, it's very difficult. Um, when I was pregnant with Amy, Amy was my last. I had, it was a seven-year gap between Andrew and Amy. And so the fact that when I had a- Andrew at 22 and I had Amy at 29, that was... <laughs> That was, those, that, that, was, uh, that was a tough one. Not, not the whole thing. Just the last three weeks. Because Amy was nine pounds. Did I say that? <laughs> Amy was nine pounds, and the boys were seven pounds. And what was happening was, as she was settling in to be born, um, you know, my body was making adjustments. And it wasn't pleasant. It hurt. <laughs> it hurt to have this nine-pound bowling ball sitting inside me, you know. <laughs> She's going to kill me. Where's she at? Okay. <laughs> but my body knew what was going on, even though I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. It was funny, because I went to a midwife, and so they were feeling around, and they believed all natural, so I didn't have ultrasound. And um, she goes, oh, yeah, I think, you know, I only gained like 24 pounds. And so they, oh, yeah, you know, um, we're probably looking at a five, six-pound baby. <laughs> And I said, cool, I'll take that. Yeah, no. You can't feel how big the baby is, by the way. It's not happening. (laughs) But in the development of God's promise in our lives, things can get painful and difficult. Our spirits know that something is coming, but we don't know exactly what is happening until our breakthrough is realized. We need to persevere and push through our feelings and stay focused on what God has promised us through his word and what he has spoken to our spirit. Our healing is his will. Our family will be saved. We will see a mighty outpouring of his presence in our lives and on our community. How many of you guys are tired of hearing that Mojave County is the meth capital of Arizona? I am so tired of hearing that. And that Kingman in Mojave County is like the worst as far as, you know, as far as domestic violence and drug addiction and things like that. I'm tired of the devil running rampant in my community. And that's one thing that we go for a lot when we do intercessory prayer on Sundays is we go for our communities. We, we send out angels to minister to the brokenhearted. We, we, we pull down those spiritual strongholds in our community because we're done. We're done, we're done, we're done with the devil coming through and thinking that he can have our town, right? In this area. And we need to have that same indignation with our families and our finances and our, and our, um, our health. Devil, I'm tired. I'm just tired of being sick. <laughs> you know, and, and I realize that's a hard one. It's a hard. It, but you know what? If we focus in on him, we focus in on his prayers, in on his promises, you never know what God's going to do. Amen? It may seem tough right now, but deliverance is coming. That angel with the key to your prison, he's on his way. He's on his way. He's on his way to deliver you. Whatever it is, he's on his way. 
talking about waiting, there was a point in time, you know, he always says, I was on stage, and I was in labor all day long with her. The reason why we don't have the stories with the boys is because soon as, we lived in Needles at, with the boys, and as soon as I started having pains, we ran up to the hospital, they popped my water, and I had the boys, okay? And so, but with Amy, we were here in Kingman, we didn't have insurance, and so we had a midwife that lived up in Flagstaff, so it was 100% natural. And so I was in labor all day long, all day long, two o'clock in the morning. She was born at 10 minutes to 12 the next night, <laughs> all day long. And I was like, okay, I got things to do. So I went and took the boys to school. I picked them up from school, went to church. Finally, John says, uh, you need to go call Becky, our midwife, because I, you know, he goes, it's getting, because they were getting kind of close and things like that. So anyways... We get it all taken care of. There's a point in time in pregnancy that when um, it's called transition. And I had heard about this, but like I said, with the boys, I didn't really experience it too much because, you know, at the hospital, they just broke my water and, and it was just there. But I felt it with Amy. And what transition is, it's this sudden, uh, this sudden crash of like emotions, all right? And that's the best way I can explain it. Should have got the clinical. I see Monica over there. I should have got the, the real the clinical definition of it, but I didn't. And so what happened is here I am, 10 o'clock at night, 10:30 at night, and no, it was later than that. And um, I'm laying on the couch, and I have this super big contraction. And then all of a sudden, I hear this, and and all this water came out on the couch, and I was mad. All of a sudden, I was mad, and I jumped up off the couch, and I said, I knew that was going to happen. My water was going to break, and I wasn't going to be ready, and where's Becky, and she's not here? And my husband goes, go to the bedroom. So I walked to the bedroom, lay down on the bed. She was pulling into the driveway. It was a whirlwind of things, but it was like, oh, my gosh. I was amazed at how that anger, I was like, oh, my gosh. But then after that, you know, we're in the process of delivering, and... All of a sudden, I get these waves of despair, waves of despair just start washing over me. And even though it was 20 years ago, I can still close my eyes and I can still feel that despair just washing over me. And it was like, God, I can't do this. And I must have said it out loud because my husband heard it, I guess. I didn't think I said it out loud, but must have said it out loud. But these waves of despair just washed over me. And I just, she was out about this far. And I said, I can't do this. I just, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Yeah. But the problem was then, of course, you know, common sense kicks in and says, well, you can't stay like this for the rest of your life. (laughs) Something's going to happen, you know. And so at some point in time, you know, within the next 30 seconds to a minute, I was able to gather up whatever I need, the courage that I needed inside of me to say, okay, let's take a breath and let's do this. And I was able to go ahead and to deliver her and, and to get through that. You know, in the midst of our struggle, we need to remember that we are fully equipped to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. We may not feel like it, but we are. If I'd have let my feelings dictate what I was going to do at that point in time, I don't know what would have happened. 
<laughs> I don't know if I'd have been in the hospital. I don't know if I'd have let my feelings just take over. But I was able to push them off, say, nope, this is what we have to do. Let's get the job done. We have all of heaven at our disposal and an entire arsenal of spiritual weapons to use. We need to get into our word. We need to get into prayer, take up the courage that he has given us, and we need to do our job and intercede for our problems. We need to intercede for that promise that God has planted into our hearts. Amen? We need to intercede for that. You know, I'm amazed at uh, epidurals. (laughs) Nothing against epidurals. But it's not like, even though girls get epidurals, which takes away a lot of the feeling, they still have to push that baby out. You know? Courtney, when Courtney had Titus, she, uh, we got this text from Jay, and Jay says, hey, she's at 10. So I thought, oh, okay. So then I was, I was expecting a phone call, and I was expecting a phone call, and I was expecting a phone call. Two hours go by, and I have no phone call saying that I have a new grandbaby. And I'm like, okay. Now, you, of course, your mind goes in other directions, and I'm like, okay, what is going on? So I call up Jay, and I say, hey, what's going on? She's at 10. He goes, oh, she's taking a nap. <laughs> I'm like, what? What is that? A nap at 10? No way. That's okay. Because she, but she still had to push that baby out. And, she still, and they let her take a nap to get rested because she hadn't slept the night before so that she could have the energy to push that baby out. And even though, you know, God has all these promises for us, but he ex- still expects us to work sometimes. He still expects us to do our part and to pray and to believe in him, and we're not just going to get this thing dropped on us, okay? He n- puts that little seed into our hearts and into our spirits for a purpose. He puts it into us for a reason, And so it's our job to nurture that to its fruition and then to to help pray it through to deliverance. Amen? Amen. Amen. One more thing about waiting and then we'll move on. And this was something that God spoke to me in my car driving down the road and I had to stop, pull over into a parking lot and write this down so I didn't forget it because it's so good. Listen to this. Waiting time is not wasted time. Waiting time is not wasted time. Every moment, thank you, every moment of pregnancy is that baby's DNA at work. You know, we're making hair follicles. It's making fingernails. It's making, you know, heart muscles and lung muscles. And it's developing eyes and ears. And every moment of pregnancy, that baby is developing. That baby's growing. That baby is being nurtured. And that's what happens inside of us. Even though we may be waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled, waiting time is not wasted time. It is not wasted time. You know, he's saying, well, God, it's been, you know, it's been three years since you spoke this promise to me. He goes, okay, it's not time yet. You'll be all right. I don't know. You know, who knows? We need to start praying into it. Maybe we haven't been praying into it. Somebody spoke a word into me, and it was like two years, and it's like, okay, God, you know, and I started praying through that. But then there came an, an ex- acceleration, and it's like, oh, I need to start believing for this word. Oh, okay. And God brought it to my mind, and then it came to fruition. And so we need to be aware that just because we're waiting 
doesn't mean that we're wasting time. Hallelujah. So let's go back to our story and let's see about, see what happened to Peter. Um, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Go, next one. So, uh, verse 6, the night before Peter was to be placed, placed on trial, he was asleep, chained between two soldiers, with others standing guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel tapped him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Now, put on your coat and follow me. The angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angels, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize that it was really happening. Next slide. So they passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate to the street, and this opened to them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally realized what had happened. It's really true, he said to himself. The Lord has sent his angels and has saved me from Herod and from what the Jews were hoping to do to me. Okay, go back to the other slide. And let's look at this. Not that one. That one. Yay. Let's go back to the other slide and let's look at this real quick. He says, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial... He was asleep. He was going to be placed on trial. Chances are he was going to die. And he's asleep. How does that happen? Well, let me tell you a little bit about Peter. See, Peter had a promise from Jesus. If we look in Matthew 16, 17, and 18, we'll see this prophecy that Jesus says to him. He says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. He had that word from Jesus, directly from Jesus' mouth, changed his name. He was Simon, now he's Peter. And he says, and on you, I will build my church. So there's two ways that he could look at it. Number one, he could say, okay, God, my job is done. The church is where it needs to be. It's clicking along nicely. I'm going to go spend the rest, of, I'm going to go spend eternity with Jesus. Hey, that, you don't lose on that one, right? Or he could say, well, my job here is not done. There's more work to do. And God, you're going to rescue me. See, they, Peter was raised, he was raised on stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel in the lion's den, where God brought salvation through the fire and through the lion. And so he was expecting this, okay? So he didn't know, but he knew that God would provide. One way or another, he was going to get through this. And one way or another, God was going to help him. And he was at peace with that. And he was at peace to the point that when an angel appears in his cell, the angel has to kick him in the side, nudge him and say, dude, wake up, come on, let's get out of here. You know, he's got he's to nudge him. That's how zonked out he was. That's how much at peace he was. And we need to adopt this. When life comes and kicks us in the side, when life is kicking us in the side, we need to be able to just find that peace. So let's go. We need to expect perfect peace in the midst of our trials. So let's go and let's look to see how this is possible. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him 
for all he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. That's that peace that passes all understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Four things, he says. Don't worry about anything. It's not an option. He says, pray about what? Everything. Everything. If you're worried about it, you need to pray about it. Don't worry, pray. Tell God what you need. God knows what I need. He wants to hear it from your lips. Tell God what you need. Be persistent. Let him know what you need and give thanks for all he has done. See, that's the problem is we get up there and we say, God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need this. But we forget to give thanks. You know, I love that. I'm so glad we sang that song this morning. I seen you move. You move the mountains and I believe I see you do it again. You know, you made a way where there was no way, but I believe you're going to do it again. And we need to give thanks for those little testimonies, for the big testimonies, and give thanks on a daily basis. You know what, God? Yeah, I have this situation here, but I thank you for meeting my needs back then. And I know you're going to do it again because you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And you didn't change. And so even though my circumstances change, you didn't change. You haven't changed. So you're going to meet my needs. You're going to save my family. You're going to heal my body. You're going to come through for me. If anything, you're going to give me peace about my situation. In the least, he's going to give us peace. And I tell you what, (laughs) that's nothing to sneeze at. Ephesians 5.16 says that we are to put on the whole armor of God, and one of which are the shoes of peace. Now, do you believe, God, that your shoes are going to fly on your feet every morning? No. You have to put them on, right? You have to put on your shoes. We have to put on the armor of God. We have to put on the shoes of peace. And sometimes we have to make that peace a choice. We have to choose peace. Okay, the next two slides are reversed. That's my fault. So go to John 15, 5. And the reason why we can put on peace is if we abide in the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so as we abide in him and he abides in us, what kind of fruit can we see? Next slide, Galatians 5.22 says we can see the fruit of the Spirit. Produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are fruit of abiding in the vine. As we abide in him and he abides in us. I always thought that I had to produce these on my own. You know, oh, you have no self-control or you have no patience. Well, because I'm not abiding in the Father. You know what I mean? Come on. But if I abide in him and he abides in me, this is the fruit that's going to come naturally. Apples produce apples. Oranges produce oranges. Yes. The children of God naturally are going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Stop working at it. <laughs> and just allow his presence to flow through you and it'll come. But, you see, that's kind of a paradox type thing. We also need to choose it. We need to choose to have peace. We need to choose to have joy. When we stay connected to God and we abide in him, the fruit that we bear will include peace. It will be second nature just to go there. 
to choose peace and not to worry, but we must stay connected to the Father in order to be able to have the strength to make that choice. As we're connected to the Father, it'll auto, it will automatically go there. We'll just, we'll just go there. And we'll auto, but at first, we have to make a conscious decision. That's how it works. Conscious decision to choose that peace. And so that's what Peter had done. He just made a conscious decision. I'm going to choose peace. I'm going to choose faith over fear. I'm going to choose peace over worry. And it's going to be a long day tomorrow, so I'm going to get some rest. And he fell asleep, and he left it in God's hands, and was woke up by an angel, and an angel miraculously dumped him out on the street and then left. It's like, really, dude? You couldn't make sure I got to safety? So then let's see where he goes from there. After a little thought, he was thinking about it, where can I go, where I can be safe? <laughs> he went to the home of Mary, because he's a wanted man. Remember, he's a wanted man. He went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door at the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. But when she insisted, they decided, oh, it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, and when they finally went out and opened the door, they were amazed. Let's just keep it right there. Okay, well, he motioned for them to quiet down and told them what had happened and how he had, the Lord had led him out of jail. Tell James, there's a different James, and the other brothers what had happened, he said, and he went to another place. Okay, let's go back. He knocked on the door, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer it. And when she recognized his voice, she was very overjoyed. She's like, oh my gosh. But what, were, what was everyone else doing? They were praying for who? They were praying for Peter. They were praying for his release. They were earnestly praying for him. But then she comes in and says, Peter's at the door. And they go, really? What are you talking We're praying. Rhoda, you're interrupting us. What's wrong with you? The Message Bible says that they dismissed her and dismissed her report. Have you ever felt like Rhoda? God plants faith in your heart. And you're like, yes, God's moving in my life. And everyone goes, really? I can't tell you in the last several years how many times I have felt dismissed in this congregation. But that's okay. Because Rhoda knew whose voice she heard. And Rhoda knew that that was Peter. You know, what were they expecting? They were praying, but Peter shows up it was easier for them to believe that he had been executed in the night and that it was his angel dropping by to say goodbye on his way up to heaven. That was easier for them to believe than the fact that God had actually released him. Because when Rhoda came in, they were like, oh, really, Rhoda? <sighs> what? We're praying, you know, we're praying for Peter. We're praying for him. She goes, he's out the door. Luckily, thank goodness, Rhoda persisted. Yeah. No, I know whose voice I heard. And sometimes we can expect to be dismissed for our faith. And sometimes we share our testimony. Guess what God did? I, you know, so I found $10 laying on the street. And you were looking at it as a blessing from God. And everyone's like, really? But that's okay, because God has spoken something to my heart. And one of these days, like, that's, that's what I love about my prayer team is because we dream together. 
And we pray and we intercede and we know that God has got wonderful plans for this congregation. And then we come out and we try to share that with some of the congregation. And it's like, God is moving in our congregation. It's like, I just don't see it. And they dismiss us, you know. But guess what? One of these days, those rotas are going to open up the door. And God's presence is going to come flooding in. And you're going to be glad. You're going to be glad for the faith of Rhoda. And if you are Rhoda, you feel like Rhoda, you feel like people are dismissing you, that's okay. You just keep going. And you insist it. You insist that you heard the voice of God. You insist that that's what God spoke to your heart. No, no, no. The promises of God are deep inside me, and you're not going to talk me out of it. We all need to be like Rhoda. We all need to be like Rhoda. I can see her. They're just like, what are you talking about? We're out to pray. Why are you there? You know, what are you saying? So finally she just goes, hold on. Come on in, Peter. See? Not an angel in the flesh. Touch him. There he is. He's there. Thank goodness for Rhoda. Amen. Because we need to expect him to to do the unexpected. We need to look for victory in the little things. Because victory in the little things will lead to victory in the bigger things. We need to we need to (laughs) we need to believe God for every little victory and look for him and be on the lookout. You know what? Yeah, maybe he's not bringing that healing, but who does he want you to witness to in the waiting room? You know what? Maybe he's keeping you on that ugly job for a purpose, but who does he want you to minister to? Who are you being a testimony to? You know what? Maybe your kid is spouting all kinds of profanity at you and rebellion is out the door. But you know what? You stand firm and you stand on that promise that you and your family will be saved and you will see them come around and submit to the presence of God in their lives. They know. They're just being, they're just being little kids. That's what they're being. We need to increase our expectations of what God wants to do in our lives, in our families, in our services. So let me ask you this question. What are you praying for? What are you expecting? What are you expecting? 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, don't forget that, according to His will, God, is this your will? Or is this my my wishful thinking? But if it's according to his will, he hears us. And if we know in our heart that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. This is not just a promise for moms on Mother's Day. This is not just a promise for, you know, single men of the ages of 20 to 30. This is everyone. It says it right there. Everyone who asks, everyone who seeks, everyone who knocks. That promise has been sitting in your heart. You need to go after what God has for you. You need to nourish that. You need to pray over that. You need to thank God for all the little victories. And when he shows up, it's like, oh, okay. He, maybe he'll show up in a different way. Well, I expected this, but he gave me that. 
but that's okay because he's meeting the need. All right, I'm, I'm really late, but I just have, let me share, close with two stories from our family. The other day, a couple weeks ago, I was having some issues with, uh, well, I had been irresponsible with my debit card. And I usually am really good about this, but I had misplaced it. And I didn't realize I misplaced it until I was at the gas station at 6.30 in the morning. And I had a meeting at work that I had to go to, so I, and I was on zero gas. So I had to go gas up my car. And so I went to go reach for my debit card, and it wasn't there. And I looked around my car, and it wasn't there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I gassed up using a different card, you know, only put like $10 in and everything like that. And then I had to go to the store, so I'm driving, you know, from Safeway over down to Safeway, from the gas station down to there. And I'm like, okay, God, I don't know where my debit card is. And start thinking in my brain, where's my debit card? Go into the store, because I have just a couple things to pick up before I went to work, pick up a couple things for work. And then um, as I'm in the store, I pray. And I say, okay, God, I need you to put your hands on my credit card, my debit card. And I need you to just protect it, protect my checking account, God, that if someone does find it, that, you know, they won't, you won't use it to charge millions of dollars, <laughs> you know. And um, you just, 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 you just uh, watch over this, you know. And so I got paid for my groceries with something else and um, went out to my car. And as I opened the door, there's my debit card sitting in the middle of my seat. <laughs> now, if it was there before, I'd gotten in my car twice before. If it was there before, why didn't I see it? You know, so that's that little victory. Yes, my debit card. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Nobody got a hold of my debit card. (laughs) Went home and told John, and he's like, okay. (laughs) Okay, Rhoda. (laughs) I love my husband. He's he's awesome. You know, and it was just a little thing like that, but God sees and God knows and God took care of me and I didn't have to worry about it all day long. But then he's also there for the big things. Back in November, Amy announced that she wanted to go to this school of ministry. And we knew how much it was gonna, it was gonna be a big investment. It still is gonna be a big investment, but we knew that it was gonna be a big endeavor and, and we said, well, are you sure? You need to pray about it and make sure that this is what God wants for you, what God has for you. And so between November and January, she had gotten several confirmations that this is the direction that God wanted her to go. So at the end of January, we put down a substantial amount of money to hold her spot. But it was like, okay, we got this. God, we give you the rest. You know, we don't, you know, we really don't want to have to go into thousands and thousands of dollars of debt for this. And we're just believing you. And every time that anxiety would kind of rise up inside of me, you know, and I would just say, God, I just thank you. I thank you for the testimony that we're going to have. I thank you, Lord God, that you're going to take care of this, that this is from you, and that you're, you're, you know, you've got this in hand. And, and she did, you know, she prayed, and, and we all interceded as a family. We interceded together. And... Well, a couple weeks ago, someone invited her out to lunch and um, out to dinner and gave her a check for the full tuition. And I don't discount that because we didn't let it known. We didn't, we didn't let it be known that we needed help. We didn't let people know that this was going to be a financial hardship to us. We made, we made sure that we just said, yep, Amy's going to go. 
That's all we said. We didn't tell people that it was going to be a financial hardship on us. But God knew. And God still knows. You know, she still needs money. <laughs> but she can get a job, and she can pay her rent, and she's got her car payment all saved up. And because, you know, she's just a great girl. She goes, Mom, you're going to tell them more than just that I was a nine-pound baby, right? <laughs> she's an amazing girl, and she deserves this. She has lived a life that, of righteousness. And I'm so excited to see what God's going to do in the... the what God's going to do in her life while she's gone. So from the little to the big, we need to expect God to move in our lives. Finances, healing, our family, whatever it is, we need to raise our expectancy level. We need to raise it up and say, okay, God, the sky's the limit. I love you. And, And he loves us. And he wants to meet with us. Amen? He wants to do this in our lives. Let's bow our heads. Sorry for going over. That's what happens when I only preach once a year. (laughs) I have lots to say. Hallelujah. Lord God, I just pray over this congregation right now. Father God, I release faith. I release hope. Because sometimes raising expectations is not the easiest thing to do. And I just release your presence, your hope, and your freedom and, and your faith into their lives right now, Lord God. And that, that what, those seeds that you have planted, those dreams, those promises that people thought were long dead and dormant in their lives, Lord God, that you would breathe across those, Lord God, and that they would spring forth life and that they would spring forth with, with new hope and new joy and, and, and new inspiration for what you want to do in their lives, Lord God. I give you praise and I give you glory for what you're doing in our congregation, Lord God, and in our community. Lord God, and I thank you, God, that as we go today, Lord God, that you just will continue to grow this word in our, inside of our hearts, Lord God. We just give you praise. We give you glory and honor for everything we do, and we look forward to the testimonies that are going to come forth from today, God. We just give you honor today, and we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.